0: Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Ya'el Podcast. I'm your host, Ya'el Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. This podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. This month, from September 15th to October 15th, Americans celebrate National Hispanic Heritage Month, a time to appreciate and honor this vast community's rich history, heritage, and contributions to the U.S., but really to the entire world. So it is very appropriate that joining me on the podcast today is my very dear friend and colleague, Pastor Carlos Ortiz, Church Outreach Director at the Fellowship. Carlos has become one of the leading pro-Israel Hispanic voices in all of America. He was recognized in 2016 as the ambassador of goodwill by the state of Israel, and in 2020, he was recognized as one of the 50 most influential Israel supporters in the world by Israel allies. For 13 years, Carlos served on the executive board of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, America's largest Christian organization, serving more than 42,000 affiliated churches, and he recently was named the Senior Advisor of the National Hispanic Pastors Association. He's been a special guest to the U.S. Senate and Congress and has participated in very important meetings at the White House and the United Nations. Carlos has also been the host of Praise the Lord on TBN, a network reaching more than 100 million viewers throughout the world, and he currently produces and co-hosts Today's Your Day in Enlace TV, a program viewed by millions in North and South America. And if that's not enough, Carlos is senior pastor of Cristo Viva Church in Miami, Florida. Carlos, my friend, most importantly, welcome. Welcome to my podcast.
1: Wow, Jaël, what an introduction. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so thrilled and so blessed to be in your podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: It's my honor. And we didn't even talk about the half of it yet. We didn't talk about your amazing wife and your family. And there's so much more that we had to make your resume a little bit short for that introduction. Otherwise, it would uh, take up the whole podcast. But the truth is, Pastor Carlos, that is such an impressive resume. So before we delve deeper into your love for Israel, could you tell us a little bit more about your background and what drew you to become a pastor?
1: Wow. Let me let me go back several decades. Um, I'm Colombian. I was born in in Medellin, Colombia, and I always had this passion for not only the Bible but everything that has to do with serving the people. I think being a pastor is about serving the people. Whether you're a yes. rabbi, whether you're you know a priest, whether you're pastor, is all about serving people, and I yes. love serving people. So um, since since literally childhood I was very much into it and uh, uh, once uh, I was here now in the United States I was given the opportunity to you know just study and to you know Mm. become a pastor and um, um, so yeah that's basically what what really drove me to it was was to help the community
0: Wow. So coming from Colombia to America with all the opportunities and choices ahead of you, you chose to be a servant to the people and to really spread God's love. What what an amazing, inspiring choice. And I know that there were many people who inspired you along the way. But when you look back at this journey of coming from Colombia to America, choosing to be a pastor, and then who are the people along the way that you feel like have influenced you the most?
1: First and foremost, gotta be uh, my pastors. You know, I I mm. I, I recently honored uh, the pastor, the, the one that you know um, I studied with and and became a pastor with. And uh, a few months ago, I, I brought him um, uh, because now he's living in Israel. That's another mm. different story. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> and um, so um, we uh, we brought him um, all the way from Israel. We honor him at our church because. He, I mean, he doesn't have any, any podcast. He's not on Facebook. He's not on yeah. Instagram. And you know what? Um, even though he's not on all those platforms and he's not known by millions of people, he's my pastor. Yes. And then he's probably the first person that really influenced me. He's a very, extremely humble man, but a man with a, not, a lot of knowledge, a lot of love. And he's the one actually that uh, put that love for Israel And and uh, his wife uh, is Jewish descendant. And uh, and this is the reason why he's living in Israel now. But the thing is that I remember when 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 we were going to church and I was starting, um, you know, my journey in 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 Christianity and and learning the Bible. I remember this guy, uh, you know, coming to church with a kippah and. And uh, you know, I will ask him what, what's a kippah, what's a yamaka and, and he will teach about, about about the holidays and and the high holidays and and everything that has to do with with Israel. And that's really what what really brought uh, that love for Israel in me. I also have to thank uh, several people, Pastor John Hagee, which was my pastor for six years. And mm-hmm. I mean, you you know very well that Pastor Hagee, he loves the state of Israel. Yes. So, uh, and, and, and your father, your father was also very influential uh, in, in my journey, especially in the last few years as well.
0: Wow. I love it how after you have come so far in achieving what most people when they start to become a pastor couldn't even dream of, of the amount of people that you've met and places that you've gone and just influences that you've had that you've never lost sight of, that simple pastor who inspired you from the beginning, and you continue uh, to recognize the wisdom that he holds, even true. if he doesn't hold the the resume or the outreach or the impact numbers in the new media that, that so many others do, that you're true to your roots. And I think that's a sign of authenticity and humbleness, yeah. and um, as we say in Hebrew, hakarat always recognizing the good, never, the never good. just yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, yeah.
1: Uh, it's 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 like this. You know, you you remember uh, a Moses' rod, and God gave him this rod that used to perform miracles. Mm-hmm. And every time he used the rod, water came out of the rock. You know, the 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 the, 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 the ocean will open up. Uh, it will become a snake. I mean, all these wonders happen with that rod, but at yeah. the end. All those wonders and all those miracles, it became a rod again. It's a simple stick. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how good you do. It doesn't matter how amazing you do. And all the wonders that God can do through you, you always got to remember that you're just a simple stick, just a rod.
0: Wow. Wow. A conduit for God to bless the world through.
1: That's true. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful. So beautiful. So it sounds like your journey to becoming a pastor was very intertwined with learning a love for Israel, that the pastor who led you and influenced you was preaching from the scriptures and the biblical holidays and going back to uh, those biblical roots as a Christian. So I guess it makes sense that you've developed such a deep and passionate love for Israel and have really spent your entire career, no matter what you're doing, you're always Involved in some way in helping Israel and the Jewish people. So I know it was, um, there are many Christians who have taken many trips to Israel. I know you've taken a few, but very powerful trips to Israel. So mm-hmm. can you tell me about uh, your first trip to Israel and your uh, impressions, experience, and what stood out to you?
1: The first trip to Israel was uh, back in 2010. I was working um uh, with uh, Pastor John Heggie. Um I was the outreach director for uh Kufi Christian United for Israel. So he took me on my first trip to Israel. And it was a it was a, an amazing trip. I mean just I remember like if it was yesterday just landing in the Holy Land. I mean wow. I cried. I just I mean it's like mm. the Bible becomes real. And uh, it was such an impacting um Trip. Uh, I think that for everybody that goes to Israel, the first time at least, and I mean, you can go back probably a, a dozen times, twenty times, and it will always be impactful. But that first time,
0: I've lived here fir- for eighteen years, and I still feel that.
1: <laughs> right, you know that the first, you know, when you see when you see Jerusalem, you're arriving to Jerusalem, yes. and then you see the Dome, and then you see the walls, and then. I mean, you just—it's impossible not to feel chills. It's impossible not to feel wow. I mean, this place is so amazing. And um, I only been to Israel twice, yeah. and uh, my last trip was just about five months ago. And I have a pretty, pretty funny story. Uh, back in 2015, February the 15th, I, I can still remember. Uh, I was invited to a dinner with uh, President Shimon Peres. That was actually the last night that he spent in the United States. And I was the only pastor invited to this very, mm. you know, influential uh, group of people. Actually, I believe that you you remember Raphael Kravik uh, from Miami. He he organized this amazing dinner. And I was given the uh, the opportunity and the honor to sit with the president. And uh, I remember that uh, I was talking to him. And he goes, well, Pastor Ortiz, you know, we, we, we we thank you for everything that you have done for, for Israel. How many times have you been to Israel? <laughs> and then I said, and I said, I you will not believe me. I says, Come on, try me. So he thought that I was gonna say maybe 50 times. I says, i only been to Israel once. And he says, I don't believe you. I says, you see, I do not believe you. I says, Yes. I says, How come? He says, Well, I've been invited a zillion times, I've been invited. Many, many times. In fact, I have sent over 300 pastors uh, to Israel in the last, in the last uh, few years. And he goes, why, why not uh, uh, coming back? I says, well, you know what? I'm always so busy traveling. I'm always so busy spreading the word, the love for Israel everywhere else, that I always think about, you know, spending two weeks in Israel and two weeks here. I think is more impactful for me to be here than to be in Israel. But I said, but make make no mistake, Mr. (sighs) President, that because I'm not in Israel, Israel is not in me. Mm -hmm. And He really loved that because the fact is that I carry Israel in my heart. It doesn't matter where I'm at.
0: Oh, that is so powerful, Pastor Carlos. And seeing you in Israel with a group, you brought a group of some of the leading Hispanic pastors and business uh, men and women from America um, to Israel. And seeing you in Israel, I felt that love and that passion. It was, in fact, contagious. Um, and, And so it's amazing how you have dedicated your entire life to helping and building a country that you yourself from a very uh, unselfish place haven't even journeyed to so many times because your goal is so clear that you just want to do whatever you can to help. So true. And so it's inspiring, really inspiring. Um, So tell us more about when you were a goodwill ambassador by the Mm. state of Israel. You just told us that you've only been to Israel twice, that you've dedicated your life to Israel, that you've sat with the president of Israel Shimon Peres what did it feel like to be a just small town pastor from Colombia who moved to America and had the only goal of spreading the love and word of God and suddenly you are elected by the state of Israel as a goodwill ambassador
1: Hmm. Well, that's another crazy story. I have a lot of stories. But this story is, is a beautiful one. Um, back in 2015, um, when I left uh, CUFI, I started working on my own, helping um, different countries in Central America, uh, you know, uh, uh, with, uh, the you know, f- uh, fixing their relationships with Israel. El Salvador, Nicaragua. <laughs> And uh, I started doing a lot of diplomacy back then. And I was able, Yael, uh, back in 2015, to sit with the president of Nicaragua, uh, Daniel Ortega. And uh, it's a very long story how I got there, but I got there. And then I gave him a a book about Israel. And you know that um, um, Nicaragua and Israel, since 2010, they broke all kinds of relations, uh, and um, uh, I don't know if you remember the flotilla uh, problem course, that happened in Turkey. 2010. Yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they completely broke uh, all relationships with Israel, uh, you know, Nicaragua, Cuba, Venezuela, and Ecuador, and Bolivia. So um, I happened to be in um, Nicaragua, so I met with the president, I gave him this book, and then I promised that I would come back with a delegation to talk about a project that I wanted to um, uh, for him to bless, he goes, yes, so the next time that I came back, I came back with you know TV cameras I came back with a rabbi and with a delegation of pastors and let me tell you a story really quick. There was um a menorah uh, sitting on the entrance of, our, of a, uh, an avenue called Jerusalem Avenue in Managua, the oh. capital of Nicaragua
0: know
1: <laughs> uh-huh. nicaragua it 's a communist country, so there's a very, very few Jewish families. I probably less than a hundred by now. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so back in 2010, this this menorah was made of stone, and it was about maybe three, four feet tall. And uh, they destroyed it. They put the swastika and then destroyed it, and then kind of like you know yeah. they disappeared the menorah. So I felt compelled to rebuild the menorah. So I asked the president, you know, if he would allow the community the Christian community, to rebuild the menorah. And then he said, yes. And then, you know, he asked what a, what a menorah was, I remember. So uh, <laughs> he's, and he goes, yes, yes. And you know what? In fact, he goes, Pastor Ortiz, you will not build it. The city of Managua will build it. And I just want you to just bring the, the plans wow. and the drawings to the uh, um, mayor of Managua, and we'll take care of it. And I remember that I came out of that meeting and I went and I found myself uh, an architect. And I and I said, put on paper the biggest menorah you can put on paper. Wow. And this wow. guy drew this beautiful 20-feet menorah. The most amazing thing that you will ever see. And they built it. Wow. So the menorah right now is sitting on the entrance of Jerusalem Avenue in Managua, Nicaragua. And because of that... You know, there was a delegation of um, um, Israelis that came to Nicaragua and the relationships with Nicaragua established again. Now they have an ambassador in Nicaragua and then um, Nicaragua has an ambassador in in Israel, which is not in Israel yet, but it still is an ambassador to Israel. And all that started because of the menorah. So the government felt compelled to, uh, you know, uh, uh, thank me, uh, making me ambassador of goodwill
0: that is an incredible story and how symbolic that it all happened from a menorah which is meant to bring light to the darkness and to yes. defy the odds and to keep God's word and spirit alive in times that it seems so uncertain and discouraging yes. that you brought back that hope you brought back that relationship that is that is an incredible story i love that so it's so so style. far we've been through a lot of different kind of uh, huge achievements (laughs) that you have had. incredible relationships with different governments and leaders and public figures. And then uh, just a few years ago, you started working with a fellowship. It's been four years now as director of church outreach to the Hispanic Christian community. And I'm wondering what drew you from everything that you've done for politics and really on this global scale to joining the global work of the fellowship in order to further our mission.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's interesting because I remember that, um, I used to, um, um, watch the infomercials, uh, from your father, uh, back in the day. And I, and I, of course I knew about the fellowship always. And, um, I, I always kind of like, man, I would love to work with that man. I would love to work with that man one day. <laughs> And interesting enough, one day I got a call and I had this call and, uh, from you know, one of the directors for the fellowship and said, listen, Rabbi, uh, Yaquil Einstein, he wants to meet you. I says, excuse me. He says, yes, <laughs> Rabbi Einstein wants to meet with you. And I said, when? I says, well, in Miami, he's going to be in Miami for a couple of days and he would love to meet with you. And I said, absolutely. Wow. Well, and, and I met your dad and, um, it was it was another moment in my life. That man inspired me so very much. And um wow. he says, Why wouldn't you just, you know, start working to, uh, helping us, not working as an employee, just helping us with, with the ministry. And I said, Absolutely yes. Wow. I, I would not even I, I did not even say, Let me go and think about it.
0: <laughs> and
1: and I said, Absolutely yes. This is an answer. Uh, to one of my prayers, I said, "Rabbi, wow. it will be, a, it will be my honor." So I started uh, working immediately with the fellowship, and then a few months later, kind of like four months or five months, Rabbi called me one day and says, "Would you like to work with us? You know, being, you know, um, in charge of this department?" I said, "Again, absolutely, yes." I did not even <laughs> ask how much would you pay me. I says, "I don't care." You know, just to work next to you and just to work with you, it will be an honor. So that's basically how I came about to uh, work with the fellowship.
0: That's amazing. I remember my father uh, had such a love for you and appreciation and admiration. You guys traveled the world together. You went to, I I don't think I could count on one hand, the countries that you went to together and the churches that you spoke at and the meetings that you had. And He had such uh, trust in you and appreciation for everything that you've done for uh, Jewish-Christian relations uh, throughout your life, and especially for everything that you did for the fellowship and continue to do for the fellowship. So I'm wondering that you work work very closely with the Hispanic Christian community in America and in South America. What are some of the challenges you see and what's some of the progress that you've seen?
1: In terms of Israel or in terms of the church in general?
0: In terms of Israel and the Israel relationship with Hmm. the Hispanic Christian community.
1: Well, I believe the first and foremost is education. Um, Hmm. We're not educating uh, the church anymore about Israel. I remember 25 years, you know, maybe over 25 years ago when I started um, my journey, you know, how much information I got about Israel, how much we loved to pray for Israel. I mean, we, literally we prayed every Sunday for Israel. In fact, I prayed every single morning. One of my first prayers will be for Israel because it is in, in one of the Psalms uh once uh 122 six says that if you pray for the peace of jerusalem god shall prosper those who love thee and so i we used to pray for israel we used to talk about israel we used to you know rally for israel but israel kind of like has taken a, a second uh step in terms of the church and now you know there's not a lot of education and information and unfortunately Yael what we see about Israel or what we learn about Israel usually is on TV, and usually mm. what TV says about Israel is not the, the the correct, the right things and the truth. So I believe that 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 the biggest challenge that that I see with the church, uh, is is with education as well as with the young people, um, with, with the next generation. Uh, yeah. One of the things that we do and we establish in my church, me as a pastor, just as a regular you know, church pastor right. is that my kids, my, my kids, when I talk about my kids, my kids in church, they, the first prayer, every time they pray is for Israel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we do one, two, three, four events a year, uh, to support Israel, to raise money for, for the Israel causes. And, uh, we support all kinds of, uh, um, rallies and, uh, um, um events that, you know, they have to do with Israel, because what we have, what we need to do as pastors, and I hope that a lot of pastors will be listening to this, is that we need to, you know, put that love uh, in our people. And um, with that information, you know, uh, is the key. I mean, you, you know what the Bible says in Hosea 4.6, it says that my people perish, not for the lack of faith, but for the lack of knowledge. So we need to bring that knowledge to uh, our people.
0: Wow, it's uh, a very sobering reality. And I think that you're spot on. People uh, go to church in order to study and to learn and to know what's God's word, what's God's will. And when we're not addressing Israel and specifically preaching on Israel, then they're left to learn about Israel from other sources that are not godly, that are not holy, that are not God's word. And I know by you integrating exactly. this Israel prayer and events into your church, you your church alone, Pastor Carlos, has been able to feed thousands of elderly Holocaust survivors, bring thousands of people home to Israel from the former Soviet Union. So by preaching about Israel, you actually have seen the outcome of your church being part of biblical prophecy coming to fruition.
1: Yes, absolutely. 100%. It's about, it's about living and by example. And this is not just about preaching, but it's actually by living by example absolutely yes
0: so it seems like what i hear you saying is that if we take on the challenge of educating the next generation at least in church about israel then the future will be bright as far as jewish christian relations and the church's relationship to israel and it by doing that we'll be able will all jews and christians alike will be able to see blessings from heaven and if we don't god forbid educate the next generation on Israel. If we neglect this, then we'll see this relationship deteriorate and will not only not continue to grow, but we'll see actually anti-Semitism potentially returning to the church. Do you think that's a possibility?
1: I think that uh, it will be a possibility, especially with the, with the younger generation, with the current generation, because, um, you know, like my generation and even my kids, we still had some understanding about Israel. But the new is that, you know, the, the kids now, the 13, 14, 15-year-old kids, they don't listen to anything about Israel. Now, when they mm-hmm. go to college, it doesn't matter if they go to a Christian college, if they go to a secular college. You know, there's so much anti-Semitism, which is actually completely allowed. You know, you, you have Hamas and you have Hezbollah. Actually, inside those colleges, you know, just putting information, wrong information, this hatred for the state of Israel. That if we don't act now with our, you know, younger generation, we will lose them in terms of Israel. Absolutely, 100%. Wow,
0: what a scary reality. So, how do you respond, Pastor Carlos, when you're asked by Christians, and particularly Hispanic Christians, why should they support Israel? What what do you answer?
1: It's the most simple answer because the Bible tells us so. You see, the Bible mm-hmm. the Bible is our book, is our is our, it's our manual. And the Bible is so clear starting from Genesis, you know, twelve, when you know God tells Abraham, I'll make out of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will prosper you and I will prosper those you know who who help you and bless you as well. Mm-hmm. And I will curse those who curse you. So we can see clearly all the way from Genesis, all the way to the last book for us, the book of Revelations, uh, or to the book of Malachi uh, for for the Jewish people, that, you know, God only speaks about his people, his people, my people, my people. So um, it's because the Bible tells us so. It, it, it is mm-hmm. it is biblical. And, and if we are... We Christians, we are really Christians. You know, we got to do what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we got to support the state of Israel.
0: I I love that answer because it has nothing to do with politics. I, I, exactly. I always say the more we bring politics into the conversation, the more we're getting away from the core reason why Christians stand with Israel. For sure. Yes, Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East. Yes, yes, Israel has the most righteous army that, you know, even before it bombs a terrorist house, make sure that there's no kids in the house, otherwise they uh, don't fire and they don't uh, Mm -hmm. target the terrorist at risk of hurting or killing their kids and do the Israeli army, of course, does things that no other army in the world does in order to preserve human life. But Israel is also not perfect. And so the second we build support contingent on Israel being perfect, the second there's a mistake or a question, suddenly that support for Israel is questioned. When we go back sure. to the core reason why Christians and Jews and people of faith uh, across the